Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Um, I just want to especially give some recognition to some people this morning. Um, The worship team and those who came early to drive the van. um, You know, we, we lost an hour on our weekend, and they came in early to make things happen for us, to bless us, and to bless what's going on and what God's doing. So let's just take a minute and recognize them and thank them. Thank you guys so much. I know sometimes the efforts that we put forward to the work of God, they go unnoticed, but, um, you know, we just, we just appreciate you, and we're so blessed by what God is doing, and uh, very thankful. We are now in uh, week three in a series where we're um, teaching through Philippians. And I came across a story that I wanted to uh, share with you. There was, uh, there was a man that was looking for a job, and um, very unsuccessfully for several weeks, and he, he became a little bit frustrated with this process. And, and so he figured, you know, after pushing so hard and applying and, and beating the pavement, is what I tell my kids, you got to pound the pavement, get a job, you know? Um, but after... After just going for it for several weeks, he said, I, I need a break. So he said, um, I think I'm just going to go to the zoo and relax, have a relaxing day. And so at the zoo, he, he's just enjoying his day. And, and uh, he, he sees the zookeeper and he said, you know, I, I should at least ask him if he has any openings. So he asked the zookeeper if there was any openings. And the, the zookeeper looks around a little bit and pulls the guy to the side. He says to him, you know, um, our, our, our ape died last night. And, uh, you know, we've got this big group of children coming today, and, and it would just be very disappointing to them if, if, they didn't, if they didn't see the ape, you know? So he said, I'll tell you what. I will give you 25 bucks an hour if you put on an ape suit and act like an ape, swing around, and all this stuff. And the guy's like, he thought about the children. You know, it was like, I don't want the children disappointed. I, um, you know, and the money would help me too. So I think I'm going to do it. See, he did it. He, he uh, puts on the ape suit and, you know, gets into the cage and, uh, you know, the area that's designated for uh, that ape. And before you know it, the kids are coming along. And so he's thinking to himself, I am going to put on a show for these kids. And so he gets on this tire and starts swinging. And, you know, if you were ever on a swing, you could, you could use your, uh, the way you tilt and force to go higher and higher and higher. And this guy was on a, a, a rope tire, and he was swinging. And, and something happened where he lost his grip, and he flew over the, the, the fence that kept him in the ape cage, and he ended up in the lion's cage. And so... In the lion's cage, he realizes, boy, am I in trouble. So he starts screaming and shaking the fence to get out. And the kids seeing this, they start yelling and they, they, you know, they're afraid about what's going to happen. And the lion is approaching and this guy's screaming. And, uh, you know, all this chaos is happening in, in the midst of, of, of him going over the fence. And in the midst of his screaming, the man heard the lion say to him, Mister, if you don't shut up, 
we're both going to lose our jobs. <laughs> now, I don't think that was a true story. Sorry to disappoint you. But you know, there's stories of things that happen to us that stick with us for the rest of our lives, both good and bad. You know, there's stories that stick with us. If you, if you come to our house and spend enough time with us, invariably you're going to hear some stories that um, are shameful, embarrassing, funny, you know, and even things that we would, we would call accomplishments in our lives, you know. Um, the, the story always comes up if you're around long enough um, about uh, the day we got married, my wife and I. And um, on that day, she to this day, despite video evidence, <laughs> will tell you that I was the first one to shove cake in, in her face. I have video evidence of this. I See? I totally was, she said. There's, there's other stories uh, that, you know, that we'll, we'll talk about and, and we'll bring up. Well, embarrassing story. I don't think I've ever told anyone, but um, literally um, a couple months after we got married, we're just young 20-somethings, I lost my job. And for like three months, I didn't have a job. And, and my wife, my, my, I was just so embarrassed. It was so embarrassing. I, it's even now... A little bit embarrassing to, to say it, that like she was supporting us and paying the bills and all that stuff. And um, it's just like one of those stories that, that stand out about your life that, you know, they stick with you. There's funny stories. There's, there's sad stories. There's stories of our accomplishments that we, we take pride in. And this is what we're going to look at today in Philippians chapter 3 as it relates to Paul. Because experiences mark our lives, you know? Experiences, they, they go with us. And, and some of us have great accomplishments sitting in this room, you know? Um, great things that we're, we're proud of and, and we're sure to let people know, you know, we got, a, we got a good job, we got a good degree, we got great education, we get great income, you know, or wh- whatever it is. Like there's things that stick with us as it relates to our accomplishments, the number of friends we have, the successes that we've achieved in life. And, and we're going to pick up a story out of the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 3. Um, Philippians, by the way, is one of the most beloved books in the New Testament. Paul is writing. He's not dealing with problems. He's not uh, trying to correct the Philippian church. He's writing, in essence, a letter of endearment to these people because of their thoughtfulness, their love for him, their love for God. And, and uh, it, it's, it's really it, um, sort of surrounded by this concept of joy and rejoicing. You know, how many know we need more joy in our lives? We need to do more rejoicing in our lives. Sometimes we get too serious. Sometimes we, you know, we carry so much of a burden we get anxious, frustrated, disappointed, discouraged. And, and Paul is saying to the Philippian church, be joyful. Find a way to get the joy that God has made available to you into your life. It's, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to know about it. It's a totally other thing to live in it. And this is what Paul is trying to say, that we've got to find a way to make that joy a real thing. 
a real thing for us. Because uh, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we could be really strong in the Lord. We could be really strong and confident in what he's done as we learn to walk in joy. Tap into that joy that he's made available to us. So I want to look at Philippians chapter 3 and just start from the beginning to give you um, an understanding of the first half of this chapter. It says in Philippians 3 verse 1, it says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice. There's that word. That's, it's, it's take joy in. Rejoice means to take joy in. Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for, for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard to you. In essence, he's seemingly said this to them before. Rejoice. Get joy. Find joy. I'm going to tell you it again because it's, it's, it's important for you to know this and walk in this. And then he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Wow, these are some very strong words. So he's saying, watch out for some people. Now, this Philippian church is a church that's near and dear to, the, to him, you know, um, very near and dear to him. It was a supernatural thing that he ended up in Macedonia um, when the Holy Spirit blocked him or stopped him from going one direction. And then he had a dream and the Holy Spirit showed him in a vision uh, of a man in Macedonia saying, come and help us, come and help us. So he went, and this is how Paul, in his second missionary journey, ended up in Philippi. And so he's there. Um, There's not a lot of uh, Christian spiritual activity or even Jewish activity there. Most scholars would say there wasn't even a temple, a Jewish temple there. That's why he he tried to find a place of prayer. Um, Normally, he would go to the temple, right? But there wasn't even a temple. He found a place of prayer, and that's where he met this woman named Lydia, and Lydia was a maker of fine purple, and, and she became a convert to Christianity um, when she met up with Paul. So he has these, um, these dear thoughts, um, these, these wonderful emotions about uh, this, these people in Philippi. But he's not writing about those people when he calls them dogs, okay? And we're not talking about a cute little pet that follows you around He's talking about wild dogs that have no control. They're they're out of control. They're dangerous, um, and and they'll hurt you. This is the kind of dogs that he's talking about. Watch out for those dogs, not literal dogs, people who were spiritual in nature but conveying um, unspiritual things, okay? Those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And these these are what is called elsewhere in the Bible Judaizers, Judaizers are people that became Christian, but they, they said that you still have to live by the law of Moses. Okay, so they were going around with these knives. They had these flint knives in their pocket, and they wanted to circumcise. Oh, I'm just kidding. They did. They wanted to circumcise people. They wanted to circumcise people because if you're not living according to the law of Moses since you became a Christian, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to be born again. This is what they were teaching uh, Paul's beloved church in Philippi. And that's why he's so angry. He's, a, he's like a spiritual father saying, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want you to teach them false doctrines. And, and typically what, happened, what would happen is Paul would go on a missionary journey, stop in a place, 
uh, preached the gospel, people would get saved. And after he left or was driven out, these, these Judaizers would come in and start to taint what Paul had taught. And this is what uh, seemingly happened in this situation. So he's saying, I want you to watch out for them. Because if they haven't come, they're going to come. And they're going to try and convince you that the way you're living and the way I taught you to live is not right. Okay? So it goes on in verse 3. <clears throat> he says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, and who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So, so these people were coming and they were mixing actions of the flesh with actions of the Spirit. And that is the way that these people were teaching others to get saved. Now, we don't believe that. Thank you for that, honey. We, we believe that by the Spirit of Christ, you can be born again not doing anything. You don't have to get, you don't have to, um, get baptized. You don't have to do um, you know, catechism. You don't have to uh, be baptized. Did I say baptized already? Okay, um, you know, th- there's not a certain number of steps be- before you're born again. You-, you can be born again in a moment by calling upon the name of Jesus Christ. We see this perfect picture as Jesus is hanging on the cross and the, the thief next to him says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, right? And Jesus responds, truly today you will be with me in paradise, right? That guy didn't go down and do a hundred good works, he didn't get off the cross and, and do X number of things to justify the fact that he believed in Jesus. He believed in Jesus, and because of that, he was able to go to heaven. Amen? So, so, so these people were trying to teach something that was opposite of what Paul had taught. And we, as Christians today, need to be very careful about other religious teachings that are opposed to the Bible. Now, we don't have Judaizers coming in and trying to, you know, circumcise you, okay? Thank God for that, right? That, that is not our issue today, but there are issues today. And really, it always comes down to this, Jesus and something. You can have Jesus and, you know, you can have Jesus, but you've got to do this. You can have Jesus uh, but you've got to believe this. And, and it's deceptive. And it leads people astray. And, and in reality, there are millions of people that, based upon their religion and their religious activities, think they've earned a way to heaven. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. You understand that? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, they've, they've trusted religion over Jesus Christ. They've trusted their actions uh, over Jesus Christ, maybe because they were baptized, or maybe because they attend church, or maybe because, you know, they watch Billy Graham, or they give when the offering baskets pass. None of those things, they're good in themselves, but they're not going to get us to heaven. Do you understand that? You know, maybe, I, I remember when I was a kid, before I knew anything about Jesus, a couple times I got ashes put on my forehead. It was, a, it was a religious action. You understand? That doesn't save anybody. Right? Lighting the Advent candle doesn't save anybody. Taking communion doesn't save people. 
We, we need to understand that it's, it's Jesus and faith in him. Okay? And so throughout the New Testament, you'll see these, these Jesus and something false teachings that come about that Paul or some of the other apostles like James and John try to deal with. Because it's, it's not about Jesus and. It's about Jesus and what he's done and receiving that by faith. Okay? So, so as we look at that, we can't, we can't trust in our religion because it can't save us. As young people, you can't trust in your parents' religion. It can't save you. Your parents cannot get you to heaven. Only you can. And we need to understand that because a lot of us ride on the coattails of our parents. And there comes a point in time where we've got to make that decision for ourselves. Who is it that we're going to believe? Who is it that we're going to surrender our lives to? You know? So, trusting in baptism and church attendance, it cannot save us. Now, looking at the next group of verses, verses 4 to 6, Paul ends the previous verse by saying, we cannot put confidence in our flesh, meaning the actions that we do, our pedigree, our, you know, our history with Christ, we, we, and, and the things we did for religion, we can't put confidence in that. And he goes on to say, verse 4, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. What kind of confidence? Confidence in the flesh. And we're going to see why he says this. Every once in a while, you see him going off and talking about his accomplishments, his successes, um, you know, his credentials. So the first part of this passage, verses 1 to 3, um, he gives a warning about what we're supposed to believe, okay? And now he's, he's going to talk about Gaining confidence in the wrong things. All right. So we don't put confidence in the flesh. He says, though I myself may have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. Now, a lot of that makes really little sense to us, right? But, but I want to just break it down a little bit here to give you an understanding of Paul's perspective. Because he's giving a personal illustration of his standing about his accomplishments, so if anyone could get to heaven by, based upon what they did, he would be like the number one guy. He would be, his example would be the best example of what you could do to earn your way to heaven, even though you can't earn your way to heaven. Does this make sense? Okay. So he talked about rituals. He said, I did the right rituals. I was circumcised on the eighth day, not the third, not the fourth. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I did the right rituals. I came from the right race. I'm an Israelite. You know, I don't know about you Gentiles, but I'm, I, I came from Israelite blood. I came from the right family. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, all you others, you know, uh, Simeon and all those others, I'm from Benjamin. I, I'm from the right family. I'm, I mean, I've got, I've got everything going 
for me. He says, I, I serve the right religion. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like my name would be in the encyclopedia when you look up what a, who a Hebrew is or what a Hebrew is. You'd see Paul. Actually, Saul of Tarsus is who you'd see. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I had the right occupation. I'm a Pharisee. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. I had the right zeal. You, you want to know how zealous I was? I persecuted the church. So Paul is justifying himself by his actions, his pedigree, his history, his family lineage. I even had the right morality, he says. I was faultless. You look at all those 613 laws, I was faultless. Never broke one of them. Okay, Paul. Yeah. Okay. Well, just by exhibiting your pride, um, I think you might have. But see, we, we sit here and we're not that impressed because we're not, we're not Jews living in the first century. But in that day, a Pharisee was, uh, there's a term called blue bloods, like the social elites. A Pharisee was like a blue blood today. Uh, you know, the elites uh, of his day. People looked at Pharisees and they, they had stature, they had position, they had power and prominence and influence, these people, the Pharisees. So we, we don't get that. When we think of Pharisee, you know what we think of? Hypocrite. So it, the times have changed, right? We, we think of hypocrite, but in that day there was, there was um, importance assigned to that position and to all those other credentials that he listed that he listed to us. So it's, it's, um, it's not uncommon for us to not be impressed and to not get his explanation of those things. But in essence, he's saying, what more do you want? I've accomplished everything. I, I've done everything right. And that's the point of this passage. I, I want you to get this. That's the point of this passage. You know, because in today's day, we don't go around boasting as much about our religion, typically. I mean, there are some people that say, you know, oh, you go to that church? I go to this church, you know? Um, I, I hang out with a group of pastors on, on Wednesdays, and, um, you know, I've been a part of many pastors' groups in the past. And invariably, they're going to ask you, you know what they ask you? How many are you running? How big is your church? It always comes, and I'm so thankful for the group of pastors that it's not about that. It's about relationship, the group of pastors that I hang out with now, because it's really about justifying themselves or positioning themselves. You know, it's sort of in the heart of man. Am I better than that person? You know, can I, can I carry myself with more pride than that person? You know, and we do this. Come on. We live in the right neighborhoods, and we drive the right cars, and we've got the better clothing or the better purse or the better jewelry, you know. Uh, we got the better job or the better title, right? I mean, there's, there's, even if it's subconscious, there's posturing, right? I mean, okay, well, maybe just for me then. Okay, I'll just, I'll share with you, I'll share with you how I think because you, you have to deal with this. This is, this is what Paul is going after that, you know, um, there's, there's things in our hearts, right? All those things that he mentioned were like externals. But there's things in our hearts that are not right. 
that, that need to be dealt with. And so this leads us to this next passage, verses 7 and 8. So Paul is saying, if there's anyone who is justified to be right before God, based upon what they've done, it would be me. If there's anyone on the face of the planet, if there's anyone you would ever know, it would be me because of all of the things that I've accomplished and all the stuff that comes associated with my name. But guess what? He says in verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, whatever advantages I, I achieved or, or uh, got because of those credentials, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. So here he's using accounting terms, gains and losses. Whatever I gain because of my position and because of my religious background and because of my stature, I now consider it a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. You see, one of the great things about Paul is that he, he just wanted to know Jesus. He, he didn't want anything to get in the way. He didn't want anything to get in the way of his relationship with God. So he says he counts everything a loss. Everything that we would say wow about for a person. Wow, you're wearing Gucci. You know, wow, you, you've got a really nice car. Wow, you've got that much education Wow, you've done so many amazing things. Wow, you've traveled the world. Paul's saying, you know, we can use that as gains. In fact, I used to, but now I count it as loss. Now I count it as as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage. Garbage that I may gain Christ. So, um, you know, Paul was looking originally about the confidence he had gained in the wrong things. And then he said, in essence, after I ran into Christ, he rocked my world. He, He flipped my world upside down. And the things that mattered to me no longer matter to me. The things that I I held value in, I don't hold value in anymore. So I'm I'm looking now at things differently. So he's speaking of the encounter that he had, Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus. And his world got flipped upside down. You know, he was prideful. He was persecuting the church. He had authority from the chief priests. He was Saul of Tarsus back then. You know, um, he's traveling to hurt people and to imprison people and, and take authority over them. And now he's saying, that's, that's all gone. That's all garbage. It's now all loss. And this word rubbish or garbage that he uses here, is, is a very powerful word to describe what he, he left behind. Um, it could be translated into different, different things, but in essence it means trash or dung or excrement. Like it's, it's, it's the lowest of low. What, what was important to me is now 
uh, the lowest of low as far as importance to me. I, it means nothing to me anymore. It means nothing to me anymore. Now, I want us to think about this for a minute because for most of us, what we would call trash or garbage in our lives, you know, things that we, we put behind or um, things that we've done in the past, it would be things like anger, right? Or outbursts of anger. It would be uh, relational issues or pornography issues or sexual immorality issues or, or, or things like that, stealing, lying, things like we would call that. We would call that rubbish. We'd call you know, bad habits. That's, that's rubbish. I set that all aside for the sake of knowing Jesus. And that's legitimate, right? Right? I mean, we want to we set aside things. Even the Bible says that let us throw off every, everything that entangles us, the sin that, so it, it, that holds us back, right? We would call the bad things garbage and trash and be proud that those are behind us. That's all part of the process of growing in Christ. It's all part of the process of becoming more like him. But Paul's not saying that. Right? So, so if I were to say to you something to the effect of get the rubbish out of your life, would you be thinking about your pedigree, your credentials, your uh, reliance in your education, your, your pride as it relates to your income and the successes you have in life? Most of us wouldn't be thinking that way, would we? But this is what Paul's saying. Like, I, I'm... I am totally emptying myself to know Jesus. Everything that I carried, um, I want to lay that down because, listen to me, the the ground is level at the cross. You you can't bring something to the cross to position yourself to impress Jesus more than the person to your right or left. The The ground is level at the cross. And that's a beautiful thing. I thank God for that personally. You know, the ground is level at the cross. So, um, so uh, this is what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3, that, that um, by rubbish to him, it, he's talking about things that he took pride in, that mattered to him, that positioned him to be better than other people, that, that caused him to look down on other people or to evaluate himself um, or everything that he was or stood for in light of his accomplishments. And he's saying, I, I want to be evaluated based upon my relationship with Jesus. I, I don't care about those other things. Listen to me. In a world that's posturing and fighting and, and nipping at each other's ankles and, and you know, trying to, trying to uh, impress the right people and get the right people's attention or get the right kind of stuff, Paul's saying, all that really matters to me is to know Jesus. All that really matters to me is to be in love with him and to know him more and more and more. This is refreshing. This takes a lot of pressure off when you really think about it. If you choose to live that kind of lifestyle, it, it sort of takes the weight off of everything that we strive for, everything that we get frustrated about, everything that we go after that, you know, sometimes we succeed in, sometimes we fail in, everything that, uh, you know, we we fight each other over. Um, It just takes the weight off because the ground is level at the cross. And he just says, I want to know Jesus. This is how he ended verse 8. He said that I may gain 
Christ, that I may gain Christ. And he said, uh, I count them lost because of the surpassing knowledge or worth, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, this is powerful. This is revelatory when you think about it. Because most of us, not in a religious sense, have a Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus, I've got to do a hundred good deeds. Jesus plus, I've got to get baptized every other year. Jesus plus, I've got to attend church at least 52 times a week. Jesus plus, I've got to put a million dollars in the offering basket. It's, you know, we, we don't really live with that mentality, but we do live with the mentality of Jesus plus, I want to live my life. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to gain all these things. And I want, to, I, I want to succeed in this and succeed in that. In and of themselves, they're not bad. Until, they, until they're given equal position with our relationship with Jesus. You understand that? It's not bad to be successful. It's not bad to have a nice house, a nice car. It's not bad. But when we, when we start to take away of our devotion and our love and our passion for Jesus to achieve those things, that's where we run into trouble. And I believe that as we, as, as we make Jesus everything and knowing him, our primary uh, pursuit and passion, these other things, um, are just, they're going to fall in line because God is good. He wants to bless you, you know. He, he's a good father. He really is good. But I, I love how Paul, he says, those things are like garbage to me. They're like dung to me. They, they mean nothing to me because the number one thing in my life is knowing him. Let me tell you something. Before that happened, his whole identity was wrapped up in the things that he now, that he now counts as loss. That's who he was. That's who he was. And because of these great accomplishments, he had the ability to walk around with his chest stuck out and pride and people with pride and people coming to him and acknowledging him and giving him honor and recognizing him. You know, he even led that movement. He was, he was influential in that movement of Stephen, um, one of the seven, getting stoned to death. People said they laid the Bible says they laid the, their coats or their garments at the feet of Saul in that day. And he was influential in, in the bad things, you know. Um, but this became his identity. This became um, a, a part of when people thought about him, that's who he was. He was a powerful man. He was a Pharisee, all this stuff. And he said, I'm going to lay that down. Some of us are still stuck carrying the stuff that was a part of our identity before we came to Jesus. And some of you, 20 years later, are still carrying a part of your identity that Paul, by example, says, I'm going to lay this down so that I can know Christ more. Could it be that those things that we carry are, are hindering our relationship with God. Could it be that, you know, that we take such pride in certain things about our past that God is saying, you know what, I just need you to let that go. You know, 
So what, you're Irish and you get angry. Does that mean, you know? You know, you're, does that mean that it's justified that you can do that? Or should you lay that down? I understand it was a part of your identity at one point. And maybe that's a poor example. But, you know, so what that, you know, at the workplace, everyone, everyone honors you and recognizes you. Would you clean a toilet here for the work of God? You, you see what I mean? This is, I, I'm trying to just paint a picture of what Paul is trying to say here, like, Everything funnels back to knowing Jesus and making that by far the number one passion, pursuit, and uh, thing of importance in his life. And if we have anything, I was going to actually have a garbage can up here and, and have us begin to write things down that we would call rubbish in our lives. But I just want you to think about that um, in theory. Like, what is it in your life that keeps you from knowing him more? What is it, what is it that, that you hold on to that causes you to look at people who are different than you, um, you look at them with disdain, or you look down upon them, you know? I mean, these are people that Jesus loves. These are people that Jesus died for. Someone once told me, um, uh, related to their wife, one time there was, you know, um, what my pastor friend calls intense fellowship happening between a husband and a wife. And, and that's not the sexual kind. That's sort of like the, you know, arguing, fighting, whatever, okay? And um, uh, so this person said to me, he said, God spoke to me and said, do you know you're talking to my daughter? And that sort of got his attention. And the reality is, you know, like what we carry and what we, what we use to position ourselves to be better or have more or to, to posture uh, in life uh, against people or over people, those are God's kids. And this sort of ties into last week when Mary talked about humility. But the reality is that this is, this is Paul saying none of that stuff matters. And maybe today... We're here and we're thinking, you know, um, there's, there's stuff that we have in our lives or accomplishments or successes in our lives. They make us better than other people. You're not better than anyone else. God loves you just like he loves everyone else. And so, in a sense, I want you to think through, what is it? Is there anything, God? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Is there anything that's keeping me from knowing Jesus more? Am I putting my trust in things other than Christ? Am I putting my trust in my, success, my successes, my credentials, credentials, my achievements, things more than just pursuing him? And if he reveals something to you, we, we've got to count. This is what I'm doing. I'm counting it as garbage. I'm, I'm laying it down for the sake of knowing Jesus. Amen? This is, this is the example we get out of Paul's life. Because to know Christ is to have a deep, meaningful, personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about knowing about him. You know, we know about all kinds of people. We know about a lot. But to know him personally, to know Christ, because Christianity is Christ. Knowing Christ. And and salvation is knowing him in a personal way. And so I want to close in prayer. This is 
we're going to continue in chapter 3, hopefully next week. But I want to close in prayer today, and I would just invite you to stand to your feet uh, as I close. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to us today and this week about things that keep us from, from knowing him more, knowing Jesus more. You know, I, I think we talk a lot about um, being comfortable. You know, being, being in a place where I got enough of God and I got enough of my life that I'm happy. You know, and that's something that needs to be thrown in the trash can. Like, until we're accomplishing what he's called us to do, well, we just got to keep moving forward, calling out to him, seeking his face and getting to know him more. And so, Father, today I just bless your people, God. And, and God, as we come before you today, Lord, let the passion that Paul lived his life with for Jesus become our passion. Lord, stir our hearts. If there's things, God, that are keeping us from knowing you more, God, I ask by your spirit that you begin to speak to us. God, we don't want to be casual Christians. We don't want to be comfortable in our faith. Father, we want to be passionate. We want to be zealous. We want to be hungry for a move of God. We want to be hungry for the things of God. God, stir our hearts again. God, we come before you and we say more. We want more of you. God, let us not settle let us not be complacent. Let us be people that go hard after you, God. Today we say, do it in our lives, God. God, arrest our attention. Arrest our hearts. Cause us to see you for who you are, God. We don't want to just be simply religious, God. We want to know you. We want to know you and the surpassing greatness of having that relationship with you. God, I give you praise today. Have your way in our lives. I bless your people, God. And Father, speak, speak, speak. Speak to us during the day. Speak to us in our devotion. Speak to us in visions and dreams, God. But Father, get our attention and help us to press into you in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you guys. We love you. We'll have ministry team up here if you need to receive any prayer for any reason. I well, hope you have a great Sunday.